We are still in our series on Acts, and we're in Acts 20. And Kumbalani's asked me if I could uh, just read the scripture and pray before I hand over to him. So for those of you who have your Bibles to hand, please turn to Acts 20, verses 1 to 6. When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people, and finally arrived in Greece, where he stayed for three months. Because some Jews had plotted against him, just as he was about to sail for Syria, he decided to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopater and Phyrus from Berea. I see why he's asked me to read this now. <laughs> Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, and Timothy also, and Titius and Tromphius from the province of Asia. These men went on ahead and waited for us at Troas. But we sailed from Philippi after the festival of unleavened bread, and five days later joined the others at Troas, where we stayed seven days. Father God, thank you for the truth of your words. Thank you that, that all scripture is is God-breathed and good for teaching. And, and Lord, we, we just ask that um, your hand would be on Kumbalani as he brings your heart this morning. Uh, Father, that our hearts would be open uh, and soft and ready to receive your word. Amen. Kumbalani, over to you, mate. Hang on, we're just having a, t a slight problem unmuting Kumbalani. There we go. Thank you. Maybe I wasn't meant to talk this morning. <laughs> Good morning, church. Can everyone hear me? Can anyone, everyone see me? So this was uh, one of the most difficult uh, preaches that I've prepared, I've had to prepare so far. And all week I've been uh, trying to get my sermon together and it was a challenge. I just couldn't find anything at all to put on paper. And... I tried and tried and nothing. I spoke to God and God was silent. And all the things that have been shared this morning, uh, I can relate to most of them. I can relate to what Ruth was saying. And uh, as I tried, I just couldn't get anything. And in the end, I just said, you are God, let your will be done. And I knew that God was up to something, even though I was trying, I was crying out to him, Lord, don't take your spirit away from me. And still nothing happened. And it was only yesterday afternoon that something began to unfold and God began to speak to me. And the first thing that I had was that God was silent. 
but God was silent because he already he had already spoken. He had nothing else to say to me. All I needed to do was to have been listening, not be listening for what I wanted to hear, but listen to what God had said to me. So everything that has been shared this morning uh, links together uh, with what I've prepared for today. So just before uh, we had communion, uh, I just couldn't hold myself. Uh, I was uh, flooding with tears because of what God is doing and what God is continuing to do with all the things that have been shared this morning. So I'll take us back to the scripture and I'm not going to read it again because I tried it about three times last night and I couldn't make the names out. So you caught me out there, Dave. (laughs) So last week we heard about the uproar in Ephesus and how Paul was stopped by the disciples when he wanted to approach the, the mob. And today we are seeing Paul after the the riots have finished and he is preparing to set sail to Macedonia. And the Bible tells us that Paul bid farewell and encouraged them. He could have just bid them farewell and went his way. But Luke makes it a point that he stresses that he encouraged them. In these two verses, he says it twice that Paul encouraged the believers. So the work has already been done in Ephesus and in in the other places where Paul is going encouraging the believers. What Paul is seeing now is is the harvest of all the work that has been put in. But you can't just leave the harvest like that. You need to make sure that the harvest is cared for. You can't just harvest it and just leave it in in the bags in the field. You have to take it and put it in the barns. So when Paul is encouraging the believers, what we are seeing there is that he is doing what is the right thing to do. But before I go to that, I just want to find out what this encouragement is. Why is it so important? Why should it matter? So I took the liberty of looking what the definition of the word encourage is. So I found a few, I found a few uh, meanings uh, online. The first one says, give support, confidence, or hope to someone, for example, by letting them know that they, were, they are doing something good and by telling them to continue to do it. That's the first one. The second one is to persuade someone to continue to do by giving support and advice. And the third one, it is to stimulate the development of an activity. So Paul is giving an encouragement here to the believers because it is the right thing to do. In the book of Galatians, In Galatians 6, verse 1 and 2, Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. 
but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. So we see that a lot of work has been done. We see even in the earlier chapters, even up to chapter 19, a lot of opposition is rising because of the number of Christians that are coming into faith, the number of people, the Jews and the Gentiles that are coming into faith. It is so much so that uh, we see in chapter 19, Demetrius mobilizing a mob, which in the process sees Paul's companions that he was preaching the gospel with. This shows the magnitude of the opposition that is to the gospel. And Keith spoke a few weeks ago about the sons of Sceva who wanted to use the name of Jesus, who were saying in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And the man that was possessed by the, the evil spirit, he beat them so hard that they ran away naked. And that the news of that got to both the Jews and the Gentiles so that multitudes were saved and multitudes brought their magic, magic books to be banned and those were worth millions and millions. So through the preaching of the, of the gospel, Apostle Paul has seen multitudes come to faith. And with opposition looming around, it is easy for those that have come into faith to revert back into their old ways. Because as, you, as human beings, we have got a tendency of reverting back. We have got a tendency of defaulting to what is easy, what we know, what we are used to. But Paul is taking it within himself to go around and encourage the disciples. We default to what we know because it is comfortable, it is easy. But the Bible tells us to the contrary. The Bible tells us in 2nd in second Corinthians 5:17, it says, therefore. If anyone is in Christ, new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. So that is what we become when we come to Christ. But with the opposition and the things that are happening around us, it is easy to forget what new is all about. So verse 18 says, all, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. So God is calling the people to him. He is not judging the people. He is showing his people his grace. He's showing his people that he's a God of mercy. He's a God of love. And they need to come to him and accept that they are a new creation and that the old is gone, the new has come. They need to live in the new lifestyle. Although that is the case, although we know that that is God's plan, the enemy is always there and he will always be there until the end of time when, when God calls the just to him. So what the enemy is doing is he is a liar. 
he what the bible says when he lies he's speaking his native language so it's very easy for him to manipulate people and say things that will get people to get lost it's very easy it is very easy for the enemy to come with lies that forces us to be in a position to choose and when the situation arises that forces us to choose or to take sides we are quick to take the side that is easy we are quick to take the, the side that makes us to be politically correct we are quick to take the sides that we are siding with again but the majority of the time the gang or the mob is always wrong because they are led by the crowds i heard someone say god does not ride on backs of donkeys or elephants he did not come to take sides but he came to of, to overcome or to take over Therefore, you need to ensure that when you are faced with situations, when you are faced with difficult times, you know whose side you are on. You know what you need to do, where you need to stand. The thing with God is he is not going to enforce himself on, on you, but God has given you the right to make choices. So he said before you, life and death, and it is up to you to choose life. we need to ensure that when we are faced with situations that we choose to remember whose side we are on we need to surrender to him and say lord take over i can't do this i need you to take over dan was sharing earlier on about the burdens so jesus says about laying our burdens to him and he will give us a yoke that is light and a burden that is easy So many a time the enemy uses his major calling card which is deception. And we can see that but then the tragedy is that when he is coming to you with that deception card there are blinding forces that make you unable to see that he is deceiving you. he'll come to you and say did god really say you should not do this did god really say are you sure i don't think that's a sin and then he is instill doubt into your mind and when that happens those that are around you are able to see that if you take one step further you are falling over the cliff and this is where we need each other as a church it is where we need to encourage one another there are so many statements in the bible that are talk that talk about one another the phrase one another appears a lot of times in the bible i googled it and apparently it it appears 100 times in the bible in the new testament and 59 of those are specific to 
a specific commands to teaching us how to relate to one another. So this clearly indicates that the journey that we are taking is not a one-man journey, but is a corporate journey. We may have our individual races, but we are running the race corporately so that when one falls along the way, we are there to pick him up and no man is left behind. So I picked a few examples of those one another verses. Uh, the first one is John 13, 34. It says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So this, this is one of the greatest commands that we need to love one another. Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And Romans 12, 10 says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. So it's still talking about looking at the other more than yourself. First Thessalonians 4.18 says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. First Thessalonians 5.11 goes, Encourage one another and build each other just as in fact you are doing. And finally, I picked uh, James 5.16. It says, Therefore, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This sort of encouragement is very vital to the growth of the church. It ensures that we live a true Christian community. It ensures that we are caring for one, an one another and thereby we have a direct impact on the communities that we live in the people in the communities will benefit just by looking at the lifestyle that we lead. Because when we are loving one another, when we are loving our neighbor, we are reaching out to our communities and we are sharing the good news of the gospel. So I had a, a conversation earlier this week with someone And the person said to me, oh, I hear you are now a preacher. And then they went on to ask me, when did you give your life to the Lord? Mind you, I used to go to church with this person in 1994. Every Sunday without fail, we used to go to church together. And Fast forward, they are asking me, when did I give my life to the Lord? What am I getting at? I'm getting at the fact that when we are doing what is good, when we are doing what is right, we become, we may become the only Bible that the non-believers get to read because they look at, the, at your actions, they look at your works, and then that determines whether they are going to follow that Christian road or not. So even though I went to church that time, I was just going to church, but my lifestyle 
was displaying something completely opposite to the life that I was meant to believe in. So obviously what people saw in me portrayed the life of the world. It portrayed to people that I was not a Christian. And because of those blinding forces that were in operation within me, I didn't see that what I was doing was wrong. I didn't realize that the lifestyle that I was leading was not the lifestyle that is documented in the Bible. I went to church on Sunday and I live a different life Monday to Saturday. So we need to be mindful. We are, as Christians, we are ambassadors. We are Christ ambassadors. So an ambassador is someone that represents their country in a foreign land. The questions that we should be asking ourselves right now are, are my works representative of the kingdom that I represent? Is there a kingdom mentality in me? Is there a kingdom action in me? Is there anything in my conduct that is questionable? When people see me, are they seeing what the people in heaven do? I think it's time we did a rain check and see where we stand. Am I a people pleaser? Or am I a God pleaser? It doesn't matter what the people say to you. But what matters is what God says about you, about your behavior. And what I'll say is in our lifestyle, there is always the truth. And that truth needs to ensure that you are on a firm foundation. And that foundation will ensure that you have a standard where you can be outside yourself and be able to see when you are being deceived. That standard can be set by looking at what Paul says in Ephesians 6. I'll start from verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. How do I become strong in the Lord? The reason why I was crying earlier on is uh, everything, absolutely everything that has been shared is in line with, with, with what I'm bringing this morning. Robert shared earlier on about seeking first the kingdom and its righteousness. That is where we become strong in his power and in, 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 and in his might. So by, by putting him first and putting everything to one side, like Ben also said, we are making sure we are strengthening ourselves. So someone who is an athlete or someone who is a, a, a weightlifter will have a, a set regime that they have to follow. And they follow that diligently to ensure that they don't go off track. 
So the same applies to us as Christians. We need to ensure that on a daily basis, we are feasting on the word of God. We have to make sure we are meditating on it day and night and that it doesn't depart from our mouth. Psalm says, your word is like a lamp unto my feet and a path unto my light. So let, let, let us let the word light up the way for us. Verse 11 says, put on the full armor of God so that you may stand. You can take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against powers of the dark, and against spiritual forces of heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand grounded and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Paul here says, we need to have the belt of truth buckled around our waist. So which means we have to have Christ buckled around us, protecting us from every every deception of the enemy. Then we will be able to stand. So Paul looked at the Roman soldier and saw how the armor looked like, how it protects them when they go to war. So if they went to war without the breastplate, the enemy could easily throw a spear into their heart and they will bleed to death in an instant. So they needed that armor, that that breastplate to protect them from the blows that come from the enemy. And 15 says, and with your feet fitted with readiness to come from the gospel of peace, in addition to this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Keep keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So he's telling us here that we need to be alert. Not just alert, but be praying for others. That means we are standing in the gap and we are encouraging others during their times of difficulties. So when I'm looking back at my life back in the 90s, when I went to church, but I lived a different lifestyle. I was like a Roman soldier without a breastplate of righteousness. So any spiritual blow to my spiritual heart would have dealt me a a, a blow. I would have been down and out. However, our God is a merciful God. And with God, we can overcome anything and everything. The enemy has a scheme to attack us in many areas of our lives. But it is important that we remember that our actions Our words have an impact on those that are around us. Our words can build someone's courage or they can strip that courage of the person. So Dan said, I think it was Dan that said that the 
power of death, the, 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 I've lost the scripture now. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. So whatever we say gives life or it brings death to whoever we say it to. So let us examine ourselves. We see Paul in verse 1 and verse 2 of Acts 20. He encouraged the believers in Ephesus along the journey. In order for the believers to be encouraged, they had to be believing in something. So what are you believing in today? Are you believing in the truth that that the gospel tells you? Or are you believing on the lie that the enemy says to you? What is it that you are called to today? Where did you lose your courage? Allow God to take you back to where you lost your courage. Allow God to remind you where things went wrong and go back to that point and pick up your courage. Do we remember do you remember the story in, in Second Kings when El- Prophet Elisha went to the river Jordan and they were cutting wood? Second Kings 6 verse 4 says, and he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to, began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? Where did it fall? So I'm asking you that question today. Where did your courage fall? So when the, when the man showed him, Elisha cut a stick and threw it in there and made the iron to float. Lift it out, he said. And then the man reached out and took it. So God is asking you today, where did your courage fall? And he's saying, lift it out. Take your courage. The key of taking your courage starts with forgiveness, letting go of those people that have hurt you, that have hurt you in the past, letting go of the past heads. When you hold on to the past heads, somebody said it's like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. That's not going to happen. You'll not drink poison and somebody else dies from you drinking poison. But you need to let go. And when you let go, you are allowing God to heal you. It comes back to, to the point that we were talking about of being vulnerable. So you are allowing yourself to be vulnerable before the Lord. You are allowing God to take his rightful place in your life and repay you and heal you from within. And then you can be able to flourish from outside. But it begins with you being healed from within. So, Whatever it is that happened back there, just let it go. Just let it go and let God. You can do it all, but remember that it it is God that is with you through and through. 
He said he will never leave you nor forsake you. Your life is a journey. So we are reading here in X about the journeys that Paul took. I, I don't know the significance of these journeys. I tried to look it up. I tried and tried and I couldn't find anything. I'm sure there is somewhere where I did not look. But your life is a journey and journeys are very important because they take us from one place to another. So there is a great significance in those journeys because they ensure that we are growing in whatever it is that we are doing. I had a conversation with a very dear friend of mine on Friday, and it was a really, really fruitful conversation. We were talking about strength that some of us say, I cannot do it on my, strength, on my own strength. But I want you to listen to what the angel of the Lord said to Gideon in Judges, 12, in Judges 6 verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But, the Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all these wonders our ancestors told us about when, when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But the Lord also ab has abandoned us and given us to the hand of the Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? So the Lord said to him to go in the strength that he had. So for, in order for Gideon to go, he needed to have something. So you also need to have something. You have to have somewhere where you begin this morning. And the Lord is with you. The Lord is going to fight your battles. All you need to do is to trust in God. He said to Joshua, and he mentions it three times in Joshua. Uh, Joshua 1, 9, he says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. It is time for you to unleash that courage. It is time for you to unleash that potential that is hidden within you. Get up and get an encouragement. It's not what your boss said about you. It's not what your parents said about you. But it is what God is saying about you right now. It is God's plan that matters in the grand scheme of things. Not what your teacher said, not what your parents said, but what God is saying. So get up and pluck that courage and do what you are called to do. Now is your time. So you may be asking, how can I do that? How can I be an encouragement to others? 
Firstly, you have to identify those that are around you. And once you have identified them, call them, text them. If you can't text them, write them a letter, Zoom them. We we have been in lockdown and we are still in, in lockdown. How many people have you made contact with during this time? How many people have you texted? How many people have you prayed for? So once you've done that, pray for them. Don't just say to them, oh, I'm praying for you, brother. You need to ask them, I'm praying for you. How can I pray for you? Is there a specific need that you want me to pray for? That way, the person gets encouraged. As I'm saying about yesterday, as I was busy uh, looking for courage, looking for something, uh, I pray to Lord, say, Lord, I just need someone to, to text me, to call me, to someone just to give me an encouragement. And a brother sent me a text message and said, how are you, brother? You've been on my heart and I've been praying for you. And that was a really, really encouragement. So ask people, how can I pray for you? And then give them your time. So Ben was talking about making time for television and, and, and other things. We need to give time for people that need us. I heard someone say they had a friend who, when they rang, they didn't have to say anything. The friend will say, right, make a kappa, I'm coming over, we need to talk, just because they had the tone of the voice. Do we have such friends? Do we make an effort to know those around us to such an extent that they don't have to tell us about the situations that they are going through, but we can discern it just from reading the text that they've sent? It says, point them to scripture. It is the right thing to do. Dave said in, the, in, in, in his prayer as he opened that all scripture is God's breath for correction, for teaching, and for rebuke. So when we point people to scripture, we, we are not reprimanding them, but we are showing them the, the right way that God wants us to go. And we need to tell them the truth and be honest about it. Uh, as a matter of fact, my devotion yesterday that I read was about telling the truth. How we should not be false witnesses against our neighbors, but we should be speaking kind words to them and correcting them and showing them what is right. The sixth thing that we need to do is forgive them. Sometimes things happen that lead us to fall along the wayside, but we cannot fall and stay down there. When you 
when you get up and not forgive, you are like someone that has fallen and just stayed by the wayside. But by forgiving people, you are enabling growth to occur within you and you are setting yourself free as well. So if somebody has wronged you, forgive them and set yourself free. And finally, love. We are called to love one another. This is the command that Jesus gave us, to love one another just as he loved us. So those are the things that we need to be doing. We need to be looking even at even more things that the Bible tells us to do. If we go through all those one another's, they, they give us a, a, a whole a whole instruction on encouraging one another. So you might be sitting there, you might be listening to us via YouTube, you might be listening to us via, via Zoom, and you have not had this relationship with God. And you are wondering, how can I be part of this great family? The Bible clearly tells us in John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The Bible also says in Hebrews, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus, sorry, that's not Hebrews, that's Romans. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So the key is confessing with your mouth and believing with your heart. So I'd like to give an opportunity this morning for you to invite him into your life if you don't know him as the Lord and Savior. If that is you, I'd like to pray with you. Or you might be sitting there and you're thinking, I think I'm one of those people that has fallen by the wayside. God's, God's mercy is everlasting. His love endures forever. He is a, a forgiving God. It says he's faithful and just to forgive our sins if we confess them. So the key is we need to confess our sins. We need to realize that we have done things wrong and come back to him. So if that is you this morning, I'd like to pray I'd like you to pray this prayer with me. So let's uh, close eyes as that we can. And pray, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died and rose again. I invite you into my heart to be the Lord of my life. I ask you to forgive me all of my sins. I give my life to you from today and forevermore. I ask you, Lord, to come and dwell with me and make your home in me. 
In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So if you pray that prayer, we believe that you have been born again. And we would like to encourage you to get in touch with us so we can see what the next steps are for you in your new journey into Christianity. Or you can join up with a local Bible-based church in your area and make sure you connect and it will take your journey forward. May God bless you all.